Folks, welcome back to the Crowd Assist Podcast. It is Dolphins Week. The Bills coming off a tough week against the Cleveland Browns, but we're ready to get back at it and get back to our winning ways in Miami. As always, the Crowd Assist Podcast sponsored by Picasso's Pizza. Go to picassospizza.net for the best deals on the best pizza in Western New York. As always, I'm Maniac. I'm joined by my co-host, Sofer, and we have a very special guest this week. We are joined by Greg Thompson, G-R-E-G-T-O-M-P-S-E-T-T in the building. Greg, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's an honor. Uh, excited to be part of Crowd Assist and the uh, the whole train train wreck family. It's an awesome opportunity and looking forward to talking to everybody. And Love definitely it. glad Love to it. have you on. Glad to have you on, Greg. And before we get started on the Bills talk, you've made quite an impact with your Greg knows a lot about hockey talk with the Sabres. <laughs> Sabres have a big game tonight. Are you going to keep that brand rolling the rest of the year? I, I, I think I don't have any choice. Uh, people think that it's a shtick or that uh, that I'm kidding. I really don't know anything about hockey, so it's it's kind of frustrating. It's one of those things where when you know you enjoy the things that you're good at and you spend more time doing those things, and then the things you're not good at, you find subtle ways to avoid. And then I got to the point where it, I was kind of I missed the boat, and like my family played hockey. I grew up wrestling in Western New York, and all my cousins played hockey. I never learned to skate so then I wasn't good at skating so I didn't understand the game and then I'm like I don't want to be the dumb guy who doesn't know how it works so I'm like oh yeah I'm just not into hockey I don't do that and now I'm trying to get into it and it's hysterical to ask people questions about like wait wait why'd they do that I don't understand (laughs) so yeah when people think it's a shtick it's real I really don't know what's going on with that being said hockey can be kind of chaotic and from a gambling perspective like I feel like asking a random guy on the street sometimes is the best way to go about hockey gambling. So what do you got tonight? Canes, Sabres. Well, obviously, I'm, I'm heavy on the Sabres and the over. Okay. Noted. Big time public Noted. play, home team and over. Gotta love it. And again, you can follow Greg for all this fun and more on Twitter, G-R-E-G-T-O-M-P-S-E-T-T. Greg, let's get into it. Speaking of Twitter, speaking of madness, you obviously do a lot for Cover One on Twitter and uh, Instagram, everything. I mean, if you've been on the internet, you've got to know that the Bills played the worst game of all time. The world is burning. They're 6-3. and They lost to the uh, Cleveland Browns 19-16. What were your biggest reactions and takeaways from the Cleveland game, and what are your reactions to the reactions and takeaways from that game? Yeah, it, it wasn't a great space this week. I can't lie. Uh, it, it's uh, it, it shows why Bills Mafia and the whole fan base is so passionate. Is that you know we live and die with every game, and we certainly died with this one. And, and that I think it's interesting because we've had so many other games this year where we were on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. Where you know, can you imagine being a Jets fan losing by one where your kicker missed an extra point in a field goal? Or you're a Titans fan and you lose a close game where your kicker missed four field goals. Um, and now coming into a game where, you know, plenty of opportunities to miss field goals. And that now we're just on the other end of that that stick. And that it's rough. It's frustrating. But that's the kind of life we've been living this year is that we've pulled out a lot of those close games. And that, you know, this, this one didn't go our way. But I think there was a little perspective of what's out there of what we're still have accomplished and what's still in front of us to, to win. So not letting it get carried away. It probably brought some wake up call and realism to the folks who thought maybe we we're going to go on some crazy 12 and four, 13 and three run. 
And it probably went a little too far with some of the folks saying that, oh, it's over. We're now going to you know, lose out the season or go seven and nine. I think it's still right there where a lot of people had them pegged that I think they can still win nine or ten games and be you know, a, a force in this playoff race. So let's start at the top. Uh, one of the guys that everyone's talking about, as they should, with the quarterback position, Josh Allen. Do you put more blame on him and his kind of stagnant development at this point or is it more of a scheme thing with Dable McDermott and and the offense itself and the play calling so I think it's a good question and I I actually push back on the stagnant development because I think that it's actually because of the development that we see some of the other issues Um, last year he had no ability to play that intermediate to short game we didn't even know if he was capable of checking down he couldn't hit those quick option routes now obviously he spent the entire offseason focusing on that working on that I'm almost nervous that they overcorrected and did they you know for so much of the the routine, the mechanics, the technique, the footwork that he's so focused on that. Maybe he's in his own head and lost a little bit of the magic that gave us so much fun and excitement last year. I want to convince myself that he can harness the skills that he's refined and gotten better with so far and then open it back up to have some of that gunslinger that gave us so much you know, thrill through the end of last year. And then I think the same thing with Dable. I wonder how much of it is him either calling plays that Josh isn't ready to run or getting in his own head wondering, hey, I can't call that one because I think Josh might, you know, maybe make a throw that we're not ready for or put him into a bad position. And I almost wonder if he's restraining himself on behalf of Josh. And I think that they're both kind of in their own heads. And I'm hopeful that. You know, we all saw the pressers from, you know, McDermott this week and and how riled up he got. I'm hoping he gave them the little bit of the wake up call they needed. You hear the comments about telling them to, you know, not play reckless, but, you know, go out there and play fearless and try to take that approach. And that's certainly what I'm hoping is that they open it up a little bit more, you know, let him learn from what he's done so far this year. But now open it back up and let's see some of that, you know, wild stallion that we saw last year. Completely agree. Um, I just want. I just want to point out real quick, I saw it on Twitter, like the stats from those 2018 QBs from that draft class, Lamar obviously has been blowing it out of the water, but Allen is right up with their, uh, with him there numbers wise, like in the last six or seven games. So even though it, it, it kind of appears sometimes that he, you know, it might be a little slow with the development and he's really conservative. I mean, he's still still putting the the team in position to, you know, get it done as we saw in the last game, um, you know, with about five minutes left to play, giving them the lead. So completely agree with everything you said there though. It's hard to see statistical sometimes. I mean, I think he's gotten way better with the (laughs) interceptions. I mean, what he hasn't thrown one in a couple games now. Um, But the biggest thing I guess is, yeah, like people just want to see bigger numbers. Obviously the 300 yard game is always going to be there until he does it. And the first time he throws for 300 yards, I don't even want to say this, but they'll probably lose, and then it'll be the ultimate just internet <laughs> nuke or whatever. Obviously, you can't fault the defense. They played a great game overall. Trey White showed out on Odell Beckham Jr., which is great. I'm a little worried. I mean, my two biggest worries from this game are Josh Allen with the deep balls because there's been a couple of deep balls that he's missed now that have just been wide open. I mean, the one to McKenzie could have been floated any direction, and it could have been caught. Instead, he lasers it over his head. Uh, there was one a couple weeks ago against the Dolphins as well. 
And then on the defensive side of the ball, even though I'm not worried about the unit as a whole, I mean, I felt like Levi Wallace was just absolutely decimated this game. Yeah. So I, I was, I got a little bit of pushback because I was trying to make a case that there was plenty of blame to go around in this game. And that, although I think the offense deserves the majority of it, that there were still things I would like to have seen be better, including our phenomenal defense <coughs> that's carried the season. I'd like them to be able to not give up a touchdown when we take the lead with five minutes left. And I think that's okay mm-hmm. to be critical of while acknowledging they were the only reason we were in that game. I still want to see that. And that unfortunately the end of that drive was Levi Wallace's second touchdown. And the more embarrassing, the first one was a phenomenal throw and a great catch, but that one, you know, it wasn't Odell Beckham jr. It wasn't Jarvis Landry. It wasn't some pro bowl receiver. It was another fellow undrafted free agent, Rashard Higgins, embarrassing him and leaving him chasing around, not knowing where he was before he even caught the ball. So I, I know that Levi Walsh is a great story. I know that he has technique, footwork, plays sound, you know, scheme-dependent defense, but we can't leave him out on an island. You have to be able to keep him within that scheme for him to fit because otherwise the fact that he's a 5'11", 170-pound undrafted free agent comes to fruition. So I'd love to see Kevin Johnson get a couple more snaps. I don't want to see Levi Wallace cut. I don't want to see him you know, benched and not play anymore, but we need to be careful that if we're not going to limit his exposure and you know, make sure we keep a sound scheme around him with safety help and linebacker help, then that's the result we, that we could see. So a couple follow-up questions on the defense. Um, what, what's going on with the run defense? Why do they struggle so much against that two-running two back set? And you mentioned Allen put him in position, and then the defense gave up a touchdown at the end of the game. Um, but I feel like a lot of the other games – Allen has been the one putting the defense in tough situations with a short field, whether it's, you know, a turnover, a quick three and out where the defense came and rest and the other teams already on our side of the field. Do we kind of have an issue with some complimentary football you think on this team? Um, I, I do think so. And for this game in particular, I think there's a case to be made that, you know, that the Browns were winning the uh, time of possession. The defense was a little bit tired. They do. The Browns do have a great team on paper. You know, obviously they haven't played to that level, but the names on the roster are pretty impressive. Um, I'll say from a schematic standpoint, I actually made this point quite a bit in the offseason. I think that we're never going to be a great run defense because that's not what we're building. What they've built is a phenomenal modern NFL defense, which is focused on stopping the pass. We have three linebackers, uh, Matt Milano, Corey Thompson, and Maurice Alexander, who were all safeties in college or previous in their career. We have a 280-pound penetrating defensive tackle. Our game plan is to be versatile, great coverage, sideline-to-sideline speed, But if a team has the discipline to line up and punch us in the mouth over and over again, it's possible. We're basically just daring them that they don't have the discipline to do that. Um, So I don't know that you can have both nowadays that uh, I think that the Patriots might have maybe found a little bit of a balance right now, but that if you have too much power on the field, you know, Preston Brown just got cut, you know, 10 years ago, he he would have been a pro bowl player and now he can't stay on the field because the two down thumper doesn't exist anymore. So I think it's kind of a trade-off of what's there. I'd like to keep a little more discipline, but that I think that's a known risk with building what I think is the best pass defense in the NFL. Yep. Ben, don't break. Ben, don't break. 
Two down thumper. I love it. Sounds like my weekend. All right. I want a quick take from you boys right now. I am completely overreacting. I'm nuclear on this issue. I think we got to have kickers in trying out right now. I'm seeing a house goes coming up short from 53. I mean, I get that he said he wasn't feeling great in Cleveland, but you got to be able to go long from 53. I don't care if you miss left or right, but short just was very demoralizing. I think we got to be trying out kickers. Seems like they're not very urgent about it, though, because you're not hearing anything, and he's just saying he's okay now. Where do both of you weigh in on house money? Am I overreacting to his recent shortcomings? So I'll chime in first. I, I think that I was on the other end of that the entire time, all off season, reassuring people. I watched him at camp up in St. John Fisher. I watched him at camp down in Carolina. He's booming the ball. Nope. We're going to be fine. And then we go into the year and, you know, 61% is simply not acceptable. Missing every kick over 46 yards simply is unacceptable. I, I don't think we're in a position where, you know, bringing in street free agents are going to be better than Steven Hauschka. And I think if we release Steven Hauschka, he'd be picked up the next day, likely by the Patriots. Um, so I, I don't think we're in a position to have the luxury to replace him. I wouldn't mind going through the motions of bringing in some kickers for a workout to light a little bit of a fire under him and let him know that this is not acceptable. We believe in you. We need you but you have to be better and there are repercussions, but I don't think we're at the stage where we can actually move on. We would just need to posture and let him know that we have a standard here. This isn't up to it so far. You have to be better. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, it, it was also salt in the wound uh, on Monday night football, seeing that 49ers kicker who the bills let go in the preseason. Uh, you know, obviously he botched it in overtime, but for a while there it looked like he was going to save the day for them and, you know, kick, game time 50 plus yarders. So yeah, I, I, I agree. I think we got to let it, I think at least play out through the end of the year. Um, maybe bring in a couple of kickers, see what you got in them, but it's just such a weird time in the NFL. I feel like with kickers, like how many teams can rely on their kicker right now, even the Patriots who for years for, for our basically 20 years, like they've known what they've got in a kicker up until this year, I feel like. So um I think you just got to play it out, hope that he mentally figures it out um, at some point this year. That's a great point, though. Doesn't it seem like five years ago, every kicker was like easily good from 55, like or at least had like a legit shot at drilling it from 55. And maybe just between the way the game has changed and training towards that, you know, I mean, I guess the emphasis on that area is maybe going for it now. Yeah, it's interesting. There certainly have been a it, it just anecdotally. I haven't seen the data on it, but it certainly seems like there's been a lot more kicker problems this year than normal. No, doubt. I feel like it was like right when they when they changed the extra point rule and moved it back. I feel like that's when it all went downhill. I don't know if it was like I really don't know what happened. No explanation. <laughs> that is true. That was a great rule change. The extra point is now a legitimate play that you got to pay attention to. Yep. And sometimes sometimes when you get caught not looking, that's when you pay the price. Speaking of paying the price, <clears throat> Bills are at six and three. I think any Bills fan would have signed up for that in a millisecond before the year started. 538 online has them currently at 55% chance to make the playoffs. New York Times has them at 60, a little bit more optimistic. A win this week against Miami would put them at 68%. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty decent. Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like six and three, 55 and 60% are kind of low. I mean, 55% over the last 12 years, any team that started 2-0 and has been 55% to make the playoffs. 
So now they're six and three. So essentially four and three after a two and zero start, and that's wor- That's only equal to that. I mean, I'm I'm I must be missing the numbers there, guys. But where do you fall on where that number is overall? And do you think maybe the Bills have a little bit better chance, a little bit worse chance? What are your thoughts? I think that there's a an interesting window, and the challenge that comes in is that a lot of the things that Bills fans have been leaning on, big oh man, you got to see how easy our schedule is. The challenge that comes with that is that. Pittsburgh, Oakland, teams like that also have a really easy schedule down the stretch here. So some games that before we were chalking up as automatic wins, you know, in games like having the Dolphins this week, the Broncos, the Steelers with the backup quarterback and the Jets at the end are now in reality must win games. We absolutely have to win all four of those games. Those four games get us to 10 wins. If we pull out a win against either Dallas, Baltimore, or New England, it gives us flexibility in one of the other ones. But with the schedules that are out there, I think it's very likely that it's going to require 10 wins to get into the playoffs or some very favorable matchups and tiebreakers at nine wins that we need to get to 10. And I think it's very doable. You know, we should win and are going to be favored in all four of those games against those four teams and need to come through on those. But I'll say that it's not automatic. So, you know, the teams that we're going against have some tough roads on their route as well, but it's, Right there, I, I actually think that 55, 60% is about right. And I think it's fair when you also look at none of the rest of those teams that rattled off, Pittsburgh, Oakland, Indianapolis, Tennessee, none of them have higher ratings, which I also think is accurate. But I don't think they're so high that we should be chalking it up or buying tickets yet. Yeah, I feel like it's got to be accounting for, you know, Pittsburgh being on a little bit of a tear now, like you mentioned. Um, that Pittsburgh game, though, in December, like you mentioned, it was kind of a... And, you know, a few weeks ago, we would have said, oh, that's an automatic win, like going against Rudolph with our defense. But that's going to be to me, that's like the game I have circled right now uh, for the rest of the year is like that is going to be huge. We need Bills fans traveling down there. We need, you know, I don't even know. I mean, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going to be a big one because they're going to be right in the mix. So what do you think, Maniac? No, I'm with you guys. I think that a lot of people a couple weeks ago, especially, were writing out that Pittsburgh is an automatic win, even though it wouldn't have been an automatic win, even with how shambled they were. I mean, best Bills would have been like maybe a field goal or touchdown favorite or something like that. But the thing that has me worried now is I'm thinking about what about when remember when uh, week 17, when the when we knocked the Jets out of the playoffs a couple years ago, didn't we have EJ Manuel do the the snap, the fake snap? Yeah, yeah oh, I think my that was gosh. the game. Could you imagine are, are you afraid? the Jets? Oh, Could you you're, imagine you're if that comes to fruition week 17 and we're playing a home game versus the Jets with playoffs uh, online? Yeah, I, the only thing I'm mad at you for even do, speaking into new existence. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, we don't have every, to go to MetLife for that, thank God. Like, it's going to be a home game. But now here's the – I want to ask you guys this. Someone raised this to me the other day. Would you rather – and now this is from a fan perspective. Obviously, if you were on the team, it'd be a completely different answer. But yeah, would you rather clinch week uh, 16 like – you know, not have to worry at all about week 17. You already know you're slotted into one of the wild card spots. Or would you rather go into week 17 home game, you know, think of the tailgate, everything with a winning get in situation. Um, like you don't need any help. You just got to beat the Jets. Which would you rather take? Would you rather have the peace of mind or would you rather want to see that environment week 17? 
I mean, it's it's tough. I'm literally like biting my thumb here, like oh, because I because when you said it, I really want the tailgate and I really want like that atmosphere of them like running out of the tunnel and like oh, like because we've never had a win and we're in game. We've never had anything resembling it. Even when uh, even in 2017, they played Patriot at Patriots at Dolphins the last two weeks, right? Yeah. So yeah, like yeah. so so we didn't get to experience any of that stretch run uh, in person at at the cap, um, but. The not like the total Buffalonian to me and the person who's seen like all the disasters and everything. I got to take the sure thing. I got to take the playoffs already clinched. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to tell you that I, I'd prefer it to be the excitement and, and the path of of watching the game. But yeah, I'd much rather have it in hand and be be ready to roll knowing that we already had it there. Yeah, just wait the extra week for the excitement, right? Wait, wait till right. wild card weekend. Yeah, it, it shows what a, a sick person and fan base I am or that we're a part of, though, that I even gave that a second thought, because I think a lot of humans <laughs> would just be like, uh, I would take the playoffs. And we're like, no, we want to play and make it in and be a part of it. Oh, my God, we're just psychopaths. <laughs> Speaking of getting a little bit crazy, folks, it's Miami week. It's time to get the builds back on their winning ways. And what better place to do it than Miami? I know that the Dolphins are on a little bit of a roll right now. But when you're watching those press conferences with Brian Flores, Greg, you got to feel like things are still not all great and all sunny in Miami. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, I think what's interesting is that I actually love the fact that we're coming in us jaded, bitter chip on the shoulder. They're coming in on a two week winning streak and start finally starting to feel good about themselves. I couldn't ask for a better scenario for a game that could have been kind of a, you know, one of those you know, sneaky games that kind of you're not sure about and you can look past and, and end up being a trap game. I love the fact that they've eliminated that and that they're coming in and that, you know, it all as weird as it sounds, the team with the longest winning streak in the AFC East is the Miami Dolphins. And that, you know, coming in with that being a reality, I think it avoids any possibility of a trap game and it forces us to then have to be focused, be ready to go, and then you know, jump in and take care of our business. And that in the same way that I think some fans, you know, you know, you guys are, are big fans of the, the, the wagering world that Vegas always knows what's up. And last week, a lot of bills fans were confused. Hey, how the heck are we a three point underdog to a two and six team? Lo and behold, it was exactly a three point differential this week. There's a reason we're a six and a half point favorite on the road. And that I think that should be the reassurance that we need that, Hey, we come in, we take, Take care of our business. I'm done with style points and wanting, you know, fancy things to feel good about. All I care is get me a win and get out of town. That's it. Yeah. Do, do you also think um, the fact that the Dolphins just a few weeks ago at home gave us kind of a run for our money? Do you think that would help the the team be a little more alert um, and avoid a trap game this week? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that you saw that last week against the Browns that I think Sean McDermott is the kind of guy that we're not going to come in high on our horse and that thinking we're better than what we are. I think he's going to help avoid that and that we didn't execute last week, but I don't think it was because we were looking past Cleveland. Oh my God. Can't work past anyone in the NFL, especially if you're the Bills. I mean, I'm just thinking back to that Dolphins game. They go, they they were controlling it in the first quarter. They would go up six nothing or whatever. Dolphins just crushed them in the second quarter, and then they come out of the half up fourteen nine, and the Dolphins unleash a ten minute drive on the Bills. 
Think about that nightmare fuel right there. The, the Dolphins came out. They were the worst team in football at that point. They were 0-5. They come out and have a 10-minute drive to open the half. Thank goodness Durag Trey bails us out with a huge pick <laughs> to get the momentum going the other direction. And the one thing I think that the Bills have a reason for optimism this week, I mean, they've been torched by some good running backs in recent weeks. Obviously, Chubb had his way last week. I mean, are we really worried about Callan Ballage, Greg? Now, fortunately, no, and that he's shown virtually no ability to have any wiggle, any you know tackle breaking ability, and that what he showed a lot of potential, and a lot of people liked him coming out of college. Um, I thought that he showed some some interesting potential there, and now all of a sudden he's the prominent player. I think he had twenty of their twenty two carries last week, but he had twenty carries for forty three yards, and that was in a game where they were trying to hold on to the lead at the end and trying to use him to run the ball. So I, I do think that we should be able to pull out uh, a win here, and he shouldn't be the threat. Also, Preston Williams was another player that kind of laid Levi Wallace out to dry in, in in that game. He's done for the year. Mark Walton, you know, being suspended kind of gives us a little bit of flexibility. They actually traded their fullback to Arizona since the last game. So, you know, some of the, the front office mechanics of how they're trying to move forward hasn't changed, even though Brian Flores and some Fitz magic has gotten them a couple wins here. No doubt. I mean, and that's the thing you got to be aware of. Always fits magic. I'll never forget the the five day season when he came in as a jet and just absolutely lit us up. I mean, he had a pretty efficient game when he played us last week. I'm just looking over my box score here. 23 at 35 for 282. He played a pretty good game. He made a lot of good throws. Uh, he put him in a lot of tight windows. The bills were kind of, you know, coming down at him. But this has just got to be a game where your defense, your strongest unit goes in and asserts itself. We need some plus field turnovers and we got to win this game, Greg. No, we have to. And I think that, like I said, it doesn't have to be pretty. I'd love to see Josh Allen get his first 300 yard game. I'd love to see Brian Dable really dedicate himself to a heavy game for Devin Singletary and have him go for a hundred yards. I'd love to see Josh Allen hit his first 30 plus yard pass of the season and hit on one of those deep balls. Um, I'd love to see Ed Oliver get his first actual quarterback sack and not a weird technical sack. Um, there's a lot of things I'd like to see and that I'm hopeful are scenarios that could happen. Miami doesn't have a great offensive line. They've got a really dinged up secondary. They've given up quite a few rushing yards. There's a lot of things that show some of the people we need to get right could get right this week. But all I care is getting this game done, getting the W that we need and being able to move forward and get ready to come back home for Denver. Um, I don't care if it's pretty. I don't care if we have highlights. I don't care if we hit set career highs. I want to win and I'll take it any way I can get it. Yep. Took the get words the w. right out of my mouth. Get the W, get to seven and three, but it would be nice. I mean, Allen played great in both games last year against the Dolphins, minus that Charles Clay drop at the end. Uh, you know, he would have been two and oh. Um, I want to see a repeat of the 2015 game. If you guys remember that just a complete blowout defensive touchdowns. I think Chris Hogan caught like three bombs. I want to see a repeat of that. I'm going to get a little greedy maybe cause I'm going to the game, but <laughs> of course, Topher live from Fort Myers currently. And you're beginning, and this is being recorded Thursday night. You're beginning the Miami invasion tomorrow officially. Yep. Correct. Yep. Miami invasion tomorrow. We got a lot of, uh, a lot of throwback train wreck folks meeting us down there. We got Uncle Kevin Vertino in town. He uh, he gave me a haircut today, so that was interesting. Um, Bro Jackson is going to be in, in attendance. He's going to be spreading false rumors, I'm sure, 
uh, from Miami. So we're going to be doing all we can as fans to uh, will our way to the W. Who can, for, who, for, who can forget when, when Bro Jackson set Bill's Twitter ablaze with a, with a Duff's receipt? <laughs> no, with, a Duff's, with a Duff's rumor, and then, and then Petty followed up with the receipt. Speaking of receipts, we got to put something on the record here, so I'll, I'll, let, uh, I'll let our guest Greg begin the roundtable. Let's lock in your prediction for Bills Dolphins. All right. So I do think that they get right. I do think that they cover. I do think that the game goes slightly over. It's a really low over under um, with only 40 points. I am calling that the Bills are going to have a couple frustrating drives that don't end in a touchdown, uh, but are still going to have six scoring drives. I'm going to have them at 26 points, two touchdowns and four field goals. And then I think that the Dolphins do get a couple things. I think it's impossible to have zero Fitz magic for an entire game. Uh, so I do think that they're going to get a couple points on the board, and they put up 13. I'm going to go 26-13 Buffalo. All right, all right. I'm going to go similar, kind of similar to my prediction with last week's game. I think the Dolphins might, you know, get a score or two early, get the lead, cause Bill's Twitter to just be set ablaze. And then I think the Bills are going to storm back, make some big plays. Um, defense is going to step up and actually lock it down in the second half this time, unlike we saw last week. I'm going to go 27 to 14, Bills. Okay. You guys are both predicting some. Uh... Some blowouts, huh? All right. Some well, some two-score games, at least. I mean, maybe not blowouts, but yep. I'm feeling a similar vibe. I, I do think the Bills are going to go business trip down to Miami. Got to get this win. Probably dissatisfied with the way things went last week. If you're the defense, you're even more pissed because you played great, so you want to go play great again. I think they're going to do that. I think they're going to make Fitzpatrick look worse than he did in Buffalo. I think that Ballage isn't going to be able to get things going. We're going to be able to plug it up with Oliver. I think Edmonds has another... I don't know if you can say he had a big game last week, but it was a huge play, obviously, with the safety. I think he makes another impact uh, in Miami. I'm going to go with them getting a late score. Bills, 24. Dolphins, 19. Dolphins get a late score to make it uh, 20, to make it 19. Go for two. Don't get it. Don't get the onside kick. And the Bills get the win they desperately need in Miami. It sounds very Fitzmagical. Oh, most definitely. There will be magic in the air one way or the other. And I'm glad that Topher will be down there to experience it. And very glad that, Greg, you joined us for this episode of The Cap. Thank you very much, buddy. Appreciate it. Love love being on. Love everything you guys do. And appreciate uh, having a good conversation tonight. Hey, as always, good conversation. That's what we're known for. The other thing, Picasso's Pizza. Go to picassospizza.net for the best deals on the best pizza in Western New York. As always, I'm Maniac. Shout out again to our guest, G-R-E-G-T-O-M-P-S-E-T-T, and Topher down in Miami taking care of business. Folks, it's three little words. Let's go Bills.